Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Let's go to Ken in Texas who wants to talk about corporate bonds. Yeah, Justin, you know, I've always heard that you're supposed to allocate according to your age, like subtract your age from, you know, 100. What kind of credence do you give that? And provides unbiased answers. Well, I think the 100 minus your age is a good baseline. But I don't think it should be used as gospel. Everyone's a little bit different, uh, and their time horizon's different. Invest Talk, over 40 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial, independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, April 4th, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. I am Justin Klein, and I'm excited for this hour with you to discuss whatever is on your mind money, finance, investment related. And my goal here is, as always, is to help you take that next step in your own version, your own path towards financial freedom. And in a market that is unique, in at least our recent memory, it's time to try to gain as much perspective about the long term cycles that happen in the market, in economies, in politics. And all that plays into how you should look at your your assets, your investment strategy, as well as your saving strategy. And so on today's show, I'm going to give you some perspective using my 20 plus years of investment experience. I'm going to give you a lot of data and ultimately give you the tools to take advantage of volatility as opposed to being a victim of volatility. So many people are, they're victims of their emotions and nothing, nothing creates emotion like volatility, both ways, fear and greed, fear when volatility is downside and greed when volatility is to the upside. So you probably want strategies and data and that, that are successful. And that's what I'm going to help you with on today's radio show and podcast. And I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. So no matter what we speak about a market strategy, uh, a news event, a particular stock or a sector, I'm here to present it all without bias and give you the facts. So I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions right now during our live stream program from four to five Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, that's great too. I know a lot of you are. You can leave a question on our anytime voice bank. Still, the same number is 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hello, this is Dan from Wisconsin. I had a question for you fellas on uh, a couple of healthcare stocks. Uh, I was wondering which one you think might be better. I think they both look pretty good. First one is HCA. That's HCA Healthcare. And the other one is Tenant Healthcare, which is THC. Uh, if you guys could let me know if there's one that looks better than the other, I think they, like I said, I think they're both pretty good. Thank you very much. All right, looking at HCA, that's the first one here. And this is more of a hospital operator. They're based in Nashville, and they're the largest collection of acute care hospitals in the U.S. It owns and operates about 185 hospitals, 121 freestanding outpatient surgery centers, and a broad network of physician offices, clinics, emergency rooms, et cetera, across 20 states. So that's what they do. Now let's take a look at THC was the other one. THC is the symbol on the other one, which is tenant healthcare and very similar and 
They also have a collection of hospitals, about 60, and over 550 outpatient centers. So more on the outpatient side as opposed to the hospital side. Okay. Now, when it comes to profitability, return on assets for HCA has risen from about 5% in 2013 all the way up to 14% trailing 12 months. So I like that trend. Return on assets for uh, tenant, back in 2013, it was actually negative, and it's still only about 3%. So definitely improved, but they have a lot of debt on their balance sheet, and their overall margins aren't quite as good. And their cash flows are certainly less consistent. So if I'm picking one or the other, I'm definitely going with HCA. Uh, now you're going to pay a little bit of a premium, uh, 14 times forward earnings versus a uh, tenant is uh, 11 times, but I'm going to pay up for the quality and a better balance sheet. HCA does not have the level of debt that uh, tenant does. So all that's considered, you know, I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of HCA. Now I will say, if you look at the chart, let's see. Yeah, H, they're both weakening, um, and HCA would probably be a little bit weaker, but very similar charts. You know what? I worry the most, really, about regulation within the healthcare space, and Obamacare solved some problems, but I think we can all agree it didn't really solve the broad problem, which is healthcare inflation. And so as that continues to, to snowball on our uh, on individuals as well as, as uh, <clears throat> us as a country. I see the trend more towards single payer, some sort of Medicare for all type of thing. What I, this isn't me saying whether that's good or bad. I just see that trend eventually taking place because at some point it breaks, right? You can't have the health Inf healthcare inflation go up more than the broad inflation of the economy for infinitum. Otherwise, it becomes the entire economy. And so there's too many issues there. And so that's why I worry about these type of names longer term. But if I'm picking one or the other, I'm definitely going with HCA. Now let's go to Jeffrey in El Paso looking at Kinder Morgan, KMI. You own it or looking to buy it? Hi Justin, thanks for taking my call. I bought Kinder Morgan in uh, in late um, in late 2020, and I was wondering uh, what your price target is and uh, whether you think uh, it's something that I should keep long term or uh, take the profit and move on. Okay, well this is Kinder Morgan. This is uh, one of the largest natural gas transportation and storage servicing companies in North America, about a 44 billion dollar market cap, and. You know, the plan to increase LNG exports to Europe is certainly going to help uh, any pipeline company. Now, I do think this is slightly overvalued. Our value is around $16, $17. Uh, now it's at 19 and change. So, you know, it's, it's, it's in the range. It's not uh, drastically overvalued by any means. Um, you know, the biggest risk here is if there is eventually some sort of export ban, which I think is entirely possible over the next few years. And that would hurt Kinder Morgan and, and any of the pipeline companies um, pretty dramatically. So you want to keep an eye on that and make sure that you're aware of that particular risk that is unique to kind of this time uh, of higher, higher uh, energy prices worldwide. So um, I like it. It's uh, we own a, a different pipeline company, but uh, this is definitely one of the, the biggest and best, and, and one of the, the the best well run. Um, but just be aware of that risk. And I wouldn't say it's cheap. And the technicals look strong; they're fine. Um, but it wouldn't be my first pick. Let's just say that. Thanks for the call. Now, Steve and I are thankful for your podcast support and our free downloads. Will continue. I want to make you aware of two other ways to find our. Unbiased Guidance, Invest Talk has a YouTube channel as well as an Instagram following as well. So just head over to those platforms and search Invest Talk. Remember, two T's. Now, the Invest Talk phone lines are open, so give us a call now at 888 chart.
Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. Is there a strategy to prevent a portfolio flatline? Inflation climbing and yield curve inversion. A lot of people are using the R word. And what does that mean for return expectations for this year and going into 2023? So we're going to discuss that and a prediction from Goldman. Also, how are governments around the world combating higher inflation, mainly fuel and food prices. So we're going to look at that. Also, how are U.S. consumers doing in this environment of low unemployment, strong wage inflation, but also strong inflation, strong general inflation in the economy and cost inflation. So we're going to unpack that data. Also, tether, tether. That is uh, an area where a lot of people are worried, especially within the crypto market, and regulators have been trying to really take a deep dive, and they've been unable to due to lack of transparency, and might that be a big risk within the crypto markets over the next few years, and we're going to look at that story if we have time. But let's take a look at the market today. We had a small pullback in the markets at the end of last week. Just into some support, and we had a nice bounce back today, about uh, two-thirds of 1% on the S&P. The strength really lied in the tech stocks, in the NASDAQ. Growth definitely had a nice comeback today. NASDAQ was up 271 points, almost 2% on the day. And, and, and that has to do, I think, with uh, interest rates kind of mellowing out uh, a bit. And we're not seeing that headwind um, for the those those growthier names, right? And they've been they've been oversold. So I, I said this in my past few videos on on YouTube that this is this is ready for a bit of a bounce, um, and not shocked to see uh, this kind of counter trend rally, at least in the near term. So that's where we are today. Um, see. You had a little bit of down day, and actually, gold was up just slightly. Um, silver that was also uh, that was actually down slightly, and the dollar was strong as well as the ten year. What are we doing the ten year? Yeah, it's up three basis points. So still kind of in this two point four percent range, which remember mortgage rates typically are about a hundred and fifty to two hundred basis points above the 10 year treasury rate. So, um, you know, we're right around the two and a half to, to uh, sorry, four and a half, excuse me. Sorry, it's 200 to 250. So right around the four and a half to 5% rate on the 30 year mortgage. Now let's pivot back to the Vestok voice bank for a call that came in earlier on 888-99 chart. Hi, Stephen, Justin. I have a question regarding Sabra Healthcare. Actually, it's a REIT. The symbol is S-B-R-A. Um, wanted to see what your overall opinion is and what would be a good entry point and what you think the outlook is for the company as well. Thanks for your show, and I'll be listening for the answer there. Thanks again. Bye. All right, Sabra Healthcare, and this is a healthcare REIT. It operates nursing facilities, assisted living centers, and mental health facilities. Hmm. The issue with this, I'm not a huge fan of the uh, of the the nursing facilities. I know you have baby boomers retiring, and they're going to get older, and they're going to need uh, more services. But there's a lot of overcapacity within the industry, and historically, especially Saber, they've had poor profitability, return equity in the mid single digits, and it's at near near an all time low. Uh, and the, the cost to operate these centers uh, due to COVID have just gotten bigger and bigger. And this has been a longer term downtrend. And yes, it's rallied recently, but it's up to the 200 day moving average, the 50 week moving average. And it really, it's been in a downtrend since COVID, actually before COVID. 
it peaked in October of 2019. Uh, that was the last peak. Actually, it peaked all the way. I'm just scrolling back. Yeah, see, this just continues to grind lower and lower and lower. Uh, and shares, outstanding, continue to go higher and higher and higher. So it can't really truly afford that dividend. I'm an absolute pass on this one. I would not touch this. Now, moving into a break, and I'm going, I'm, but I'm not going anywhere. My phone lines are open for your finance and investment questions here on Invest Talk at 888 chart. You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, so get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk. 88899 chart. Let's go to Ken in Texas. He wants to talk about corporate bonds. Yeah, Justin, um, you know, I've always heard that you're supposed to allocate according to your age, like subtract your age from, uh, um, you know, 100, and then have, like, with me, 70 years old, 70% bonds and 30% equities. Mm-hmm. Is is that what kind of credence do you give that? And I also have one other question. I've uh, got uh, allocation of forty percent, forty seven percent fixed, thirty three equity, and twenty in cash right now. And mm-hmm. and I'm wondering, am I too heavy on on the bonds? What what's your thoughts on all of that? Well, I think the hundred minus your age is a good baseline that you want to think about. But I don't think it should be used as gospel. Everyone's a little bit different, uh, and their time horizon's different. So, for example, you might be 70, but this money might be earmarked for a child, one of your, your children or grandchildren, and therefore the time horizon for those investments are a lot longer. So you want to think about uh, that. And then consideration of what's where the best opportunities in the market are as well. So... Do you, should you lean on bonds when yields remain very, very low? You know, probably not. Um, so that might be lower than it typically would be. Uh, also, consideration of your income needs uh, is having that mix and that income level uh, sufficient to live on. Then, you know, maybe that is a good mix for you. So having it as a baseline is, is fine. But just like everything, you have to make adjustments for your own particular situation, your own time horizon. Uh, how old are you, Ken? I'm 70. You're 70. Okay. So Yeah. And what you, I'm looking at, pardon me, but what I'm looking at is on the bonds. I mean, I can get in 4 and 5% fixed on it. And right now we spend what we uh, take in. We're balanced on our mm-hmm. income expenses. Mm-hmm. And so I... You know, if I can put it in bonds that mature in 25 or 26 and get my my uh, money back on it, then that's mm-hmm. kind of where I've been looking on the bond end of it. Yeah, I think that's that's a good idea. We're, we're definitely finding uh, fixed income opportunities in the corporate bond space now up to 5.5%, 6% sometimes, and uh, going out just a few, you know, three, four, five years. And I think that is this is a much better time to be buying bonds than it was over the past few years. Now, is it fantastic yields? No, but definitely relative. It's it's getting a lot better. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, if you can find those yields five six percent, and then you can uh, have confidence they're going to stay in business over the next uh, four or five years, then that's a good place to be. If uh, especially if you're uh, reliant on that income, so. Uh, you have some cash, but you probably want to put some of that cash to work right now uh, in the corporate bond space. Okay. All right, my friend. Thank you. God bless no y'all. I appreciate you. Thanks for the call, Ken. Thank you. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this question. Is there a strategy to prevent a portfolio flatline? And this is coming from Goldman Sachs, and they gave their base case scenario for the S&P this year, and it's 4700 4,700. And today the S&P closed at uh, almost 4,600, 4,582. So you're talking about a three-ish percent increase by the end of the year. And once again, that's their best case scenario. Their best case scenario. Their worst case scenario, S&P finishes at 3,600, 
down 21% from where we are today. Now, they think that the 2.10 version will continue to get worse throughout the, the year. And they put the odds of recession within the next two years at 38%. So a little more than a third. And they're seeing a similar instance as 90 or 73, where uh, you had higher high inflation and you had the, uh, the yield curve inversion. And that's where they're seeing a lot of parallels. Now, I've said this before, but I'll, I'll try to reiterate it. What the bond market is signaling is that the path of the Fed, that the Fed has promised, is going to break something and cause a recession. That is what the bond market is signaling with this 210 inversion. With the three-month to 10-year uh, 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 spread actually widening out and increasing, that's telling you that that break isn't in the next few months. That They probably have a high rate hike or two, maybe even three, before things get dicey. Okay. And I think that's ultimately what it's trying to say. Because it would reverse the three month would reverse, it would go the other way. If it was trying to signal that what they've done so far is going to break the market. And the question is, how much will they how, how much tightening will the Fed follow through with? And what will inflation look like as we get into the back half of the year? Now, clearly, the war has kept inflation kind of rolling over the last couple of months. Whereas absent the war, you would probably have already seen some indication that inflation was moderating some. So a lot's going to depend on what happens with the war and supply chains around the world. You're already seeing demand being eroded with higher prices uh, in some instances, and that's helping supply chains some. Uh, but that's kind of, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting that they're, they're kind of looking for a flat market. And I don't disagree with that, but that doesn't mean that you can't find opportunity. Flat market means that some are going up, some sectors are going up, and some sectors are going down. No, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far 
you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Do you have questions about FDIC security, mortgages, money market funds, losses to your retirement plans? Give us a call today, 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication, and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Managing multiple mutual funds, researching professional services, where to put your savings. If it's about money and if it's important to you, we want to know more about it. We're here for you. 888-99-CHART is how to reach Steve or Justin right now on Invest Talk. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. A quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is always made better when our listeners contribute their questions. So tell your friends and family members they can interact in real time with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein during the Invest Talk live stream program between 4 and 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Or they can leave their questions anytime 24 7 in the Invest Talk voice bank. 888 99 Chart. 
Hey guys, Tyler from Kansas City. Your podcast really fills the void for individuals who have knowledge of the stock market, but no one to discuss financials with. I really have enjoyed listening to all your podcasts over the years and recommend you guys to everyone I can. This topic is for Justin, if possible. And as much as I'd like to ask about a money losing tech stock, my question today is regarding options. Luckily, I recognized late last year that the market seemed to be getting ahead of itself and decided to pursue a covered call strategy. I try to strictly own forever stocks that are shareholder friendly, and I don't want to pay taxes on the gains. So I find covered calls as the best strategy when my stocks get ahead of themselves. I'm looking for any tips that you could share with us in regards to the strategy that you put into place. I know 45 to 60 days out seems to be a hot spot to maximize time decay. I know to roll them when they get about seven to 10 days out from expiration. But with your type of experience and utilizing the strategy, do you have any other tips or main viewpoints you could share? Thanks again. I'll listen on the podcast. Thanks for the kind words and spreading the word about Invest Talk. Uh, and you hit on a few points that I would have started with on how to sell covered calls. So that, those are the main ones, right? The, the goal of selling covered calls is to get that time decay that accelerates uh, typically in the last uh, 60 days, but especially the last 30 days. So you want to kind of capture that, that last 30 days as much as possible. Now, what else I would do is it's not just about the time, but there's the strike price as well. And what strike price you pick is going to have a big factor in the premium that you're going to get. Uh, so how much hedge to the downside you'll have and how much it might limit the upside of your of your position. So what I typically do when we manage our, our cover call strategy for clients is we look at the chart and where resistance is. So I like to pick a strike where there is resistance, where there's likely to be hesitation to the upside anyway. And that oftentimes gives me time, you know, where, while it's hesitating for a few weeks, typically, to find a price on the, the option that I can buy back and roll it out another 30 days, maybe 60 days to a higher strike so that, and, and still create a credit to where you're buying it back for, for a low price and, and getting more premium front from it. And that allows you to continue to keep the upside potential of the stock, but also bring in more premium, more revenue to hedge on the downside and just overall boost the return, especially if the stock kind of goes nowhere. You know, we just talked about a market where the upside is not fantastic because of tightening liquidity conditions, tight, high, higher inflation that's eating into consumer budgets and, and the like. And that means the market could go sideways. But if you sell call options and they expire worthless or you buy them back for less, you can boost your overall return and the, the market or the the the, the mix of stocks you own, maybe don't go up very much, but you're getting a boost from those those call options. So I think it's a great strategy in this market. Um, I hope that helped unpack a little bit of kind of our secret sauce. But ultimately, it comes down to the portfolio you're executing and the underlying stocks. And that's that's probably the last thing is a lot of people focus too much on Sell, buying the underlying stock and selling high implied volatility, meaning um, the options that have big premiums because the market's pricing in a lot of potential movement. What I've learned is focus on the quality stocks first and less on implied volatility. So that's another uh, quick tip. Now let's look at an iTunes review question. John 101 says, do you have any information on a good entry price for Freeport McMoran? Now Freeport is one of the largest copper producers in the world, and it was down six cents today to fifty dollars and let's see, ninety cents on the close. Revenues are are growing dramatically, uh, definitely off the map from the big drop in twenty twenty when earnings were only fifty five cents. Now expected to be three dollars ninety one cents this year, three dollars and thirty one cents next year. But that's probably assuming assuming a moderation in copper prices, and with the with with the commodity names. You know, you just need to pick good operators. Uh, now, I'm not saying you ignore the value, and I still think Freeport 
it's not that expensive. You're talking about 16 times forward earnings. Sorry, less than that. 12, 13 times forward earnings. It's not that not that high. Uh, you know, our value is is definitely higher for Freeport. It's a good operator, and so that's important. And so, you know, I, I would just be buying here. That you know, there could be a pullback in the short term, but it finds support typically around the 50-day moving average. So that would be my target. Is the 50-day? It's in an uptrend. If you think copper prices are going higher, which you, you you know, I think you should. We think copper prices are going higher. Then you just buy on pullbacks. You're not going to get a huge drop, but back to the 50-day would not shock me, and that's where I'd be picking up Freeport. Let's go talk to Chris in Atlanta, looking at Hess. Hello? Yes. Is this uh, H&E Equipment uh, Services? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was just I was looking at this as a kind of industrial play with the rental and leasing services. Uh, everything looks good from what I could see, but I was curious, long, is this a long-term hold? Because like, when I look at the monthly chart, kind of has good years and kind of falls off for three or four years in between. Is this something you would short-term buy? Or Yeah, and the reason that it, it kind of has <laughs> big swings is because the profits have big swings. In 2015, they made $1.25, then down to $1.05 in 2016. And the economy, remember the economy kind of took a step back then. And then it recovered into 2019, making $2.70. And then it was even kind of in a downturn, actually peaked in 2018. And they made a lower high in 2019 before COVID and then obviously fell off a cliff with that. But it's made a strong comeback. So let's make $4.67 a share next year. Now, this is an equipment service company it's focused on heavy construction and industrial equipment equipment it rents sells and provides parts and services to for four categories high lifts or aerial work platforms cranes earth moving equipment and industrial lift trucks so what i like is that it's in the industrial space and i i we're onshoring i know it's not talked about enough to be honest with you but the industrial our industrial uh, supply chain is growing and the Chinese supply chain is shrinking. Uh, now it's still there, it's still very important, but companies are looking to relocalize their their supply chains and their manufacturing. And I think that's, that's a strong trend that's gonna benefit a company like this. So yeah, I mean, I, I like it. it. It definitely has kind of an up and down throughout the years, but the return on equity has always been kind of in the low 30s on average over the last decade, that's pretty good. And it's been, it's increasing, it hasn't increased its dividend recently, but it certainly has room for that. Um, so you're gonna get kind of it all over the place, to be honest with you, it's definitely gonna have its ups and downs. It's gonna be more volatile than uh, your blue chip, your blue chip uh, industrial companies. It's only one and a half billion dollar market cap. But overall, I like it because I think it does benefit from a lot of secular trends that are only beginning. Thanks for the call, Chris. That was H-E-E-S, H&E Equipment Services. 8899 chart, 8892-4278. Now let's check in on how countries around the world are dealing with higher food and energy costs. And a lot of this has to do with protests and social unrest that are breaking out all across the world. And governments are adopting subsidies, tax breaks to help individuals, businesses uh, to get through this time of higher prices. Now, here's the issue, though. Now, that might help on an individual basis, but A, how long can it last? Do they have the finances for it, especially emerging market countries? Not so much. And this also does not it prevents the natural ebb and flow of higher prices, bring on more supply and weaker demand and bring prices back down. Well, it might bring on more supply, but if the subsidies continue, and they've even talked about it here in the US, if subsidies continue, that's not, it's preventing the natural demand destruction that comes with those higher prices. Now, Europeans are protesting 
because of this dwindling purchasing power, Greek farmers in mid-March drove their tractors to the agriculture ministry in Athens to demand relief. Sicily protesters, uh, truckers protested uh, food deliveries, and they, they stopped them um, in a lot of cases. In Spain, uh, truck drivers striked, causing food shortages in some areas. In France, uh, you're starting to see, or across uh, Europe, you're starting to see the reaction of governments. France did a, uh, passed a 400 million euro relief package. Spain, strikers rejected a 500 euro government aid package. And they thought it was too small. And you have countries, like I said, all across the world. And this is stretching budgets whose budgets are already stretched because of COVID. Emerging economies are going to have to refinance $7 trillion worth of debt this year. That's up from $5.5 trillion last year. Places like Nigeria, they're increasing uh, their subsidies. Egypt, the world's largest wheat importer, they buy 70% of their grain from Ukraine and Russia. And they're spending a billion dollars to prevent uh, promoting its, uh, uh, its regulating prices on non-subsidized bread. And so... This is the biggest worry is that countries around the world are going to prevent, they're going to do what they can and spend money in order to stop the spiraling cost of food and energy. And so that's why this decade is likely to be a decade of persistent inflation, because you're not going to get that demand destruction. And then you also are not getting as much supply because it ESG and just uh, availability of workers and uh, disrupted supply chains in order to bring more supply on. So it's very interesting to see this and we're early on in this and you already see governments reacting in a big, big way. Let's go to Robert in Pleasanton looking at Domino's Pizza. Hey, Justin. Um, yeah, I used to own this and I sold it, I think, mm -hmm. uh, maybe six or eight months ago and so I've been keeping an eye on it. It looks like it's down 30, 32%, whatever, from the high. And um, just wondering what you think about it now, because um, I'm sure, you know, it had gone up considerably due to COVID. But um, I guess the question is, you know, has it gone down enough now to uh, make it uh, something to take a look at again? Okay. Remember when Kramer called this a tech stock? I thought that was so funny. On his show. Uh, but this is down pretty dramatically, about 30% from its 52-week high. Yields 1.1%. Earnings are expected to be $14.41 this year. That's up from $13.60 last year and expect to be $16.66 next year. And it's about a $400 stock. Problem is analysts are now downgrading earnings expectations for this year and next year. And this was clearly a big benefactor because of COVID, less places to go out to eat, and you didn't want to sit, want or could couldn't sit in a restaurant, and so it was just easier to order a pizza. And to 2019, it made nine dollars and fifty-seven cents, twelve dollars in 2020, thirteen sixty, like I said last year. So the question is, is what's the reversion to the mean, and what is the right multiple for that? Last quarter, revenue fell one percent year over year. Earnings were still up 23%, but you're seeing that slowdown in growth. A year ago, revenue growth was 18%, and earnings growth was 21%, 37% in the second quarter of 2020. So what's the right multiple for that? Currently, it's about, uh, it looks like in the high mid to high 20s. I think that's too high. Uh, and the chart remains in a downtrend. It's kind of consolidating down here. So our value is closer to about $330 per share. Now it's at 400 and a little over 400. So I don't like the technicals and I don't like the slowdown in growth as well as the downgrade of future earnings expectations by analysts. So I'm going to pass on it for now. Now let's grab another caller question at 8 Hi, I'd like to get you guys' take on Kimberly Clark, KMB. They're going to put it in my dividend portfolio. Thanks guys. All right, this is Kimberly Clark. And for everyone out there, they make Kleenex, uh, toilet paper, Charmin, uh, for example. And so this was, this is 
the epitome of a consumer staple. But it's in a downtrend. And the reasons in a downtrend, simple, inflation. I don't like these type of names in this environment. Why? Because they make the premium product. And you're already seeing people trade down from Charmin to the store-bought brand. And it's difficult for them to pass on the higher prices to consumers. And that's why last quarter you saw revenue of 3% year over year, but earnings down 23% year over year. Quarter before that, revenue up 7%, earnings down 6 Quarter before that, revenue up 2%, earnings down 33 and this year earnings are expected to fall 5%. That's and that fell last year from 774 in 2020 to $6.18, lower than pre-pandemic levels. So clearly this environment post-COVID world, Kimberly Clark is not doing very hot. And it's very important to understand how well these companies can pass on price hikes or higher input costs and Kimberly Clark can't. So we're heading into a break, so give me a call at 888-99 chart. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Duncan from New York. Thank you for all that you do. My question for today is about dividend stocks. As all these stocks are starting to get into a buy uh, territory, I wanted to know which would be a better buy for a dividend, AT&T or the stock 3M? Again, that's AT&T and 3M. Which do you think would be a better buy? And two, I'm going to put one of these stocks in my Roth IRA, but what do you think about putting it also in my brokerage account as well, too? Hoping down the line, maybe uh, 10, 15 years from now, I would retire a little bit early and live off these dividend stocks. Thank you very much. Looking forward to the answer. Have a great day. Bye. If I'm picking one, I'm going to pick AT&T. Uh, I like the, the spinoff. I like the more, becoming more of a pure play, wireless carrier, and they just have strong revenue growth or strong uh, subscriber growth and profitability and trades at a pretty cheap multiple. So uh, over the long term, I'm going to go with AT&T over 3M, but both are, are solid blue chip names. So those are my takes. Now, lastly, let's get into the consumer and how they're handling the higher inflationary environment. Well, U.S. households increased their spending by 0.2% in the month of February. Now that's down from 2.7% in January. And personal incomes increased by 0.5% in the month of February. But that's not fast enough to uh, keep up with inflation, which raz, rose, raz, rose uh, about 0.6% on the month. So slight negative in the real incomes there. Now, that means that incomes after taxes adjusted for inflation fell for the seventh straight month. And that's the, to the lowest level since March of 2020. So that's clearly not fantastic. And not a, not a situation that can be sustained. Now, the consumer does have much better balance sheets than we did pre-COVID. Because of all the money that was out there, people paid off credit cards, paid off uh, loans, etc., and just have more cash in the bank. And a lot of it has to do with not paying rent, not paying mortgages, etc. And that's pretty big. Now, the big problem in the near term, though, is inflation is going to be worse for this uh, for the month of March, and that's going to drive also a mix of how people spend. For example, services, that spending rose 0.9% in February, and goods spending declined by 1%. So this is what we talk about when you're looking at retailers and, and all these different types of goods producing businesses. 
you have to adjust for a falling demand environment. And it's difficult to find out where that floor, floor is going to be. It's going to level out at some point. But you see this shift from buying physical goods to spending on services, going out to eat, traveling, etc. Now, spending on vehicles and parts dropped 4% because people just can't get them. And so that's a big part of the demand drop or the, the physical goods uh, drop in demand. Now, there is going to be a pent up, some pent up uh, demand for certain goods that are in short supply. So be cognizant of that. Don't paint all goods as one with one broad brush. This is definitely a time where you need to understand the supply chain behind the business and whether it's struggling and has struggled over the past couple of years, or it's been able to um, really supply their customers and thus profits have been going up. So you really have to dig into that. Now, what's interesting is major US airlines said early in March that their revenues in the first quarter of 2020 will likely be at the high end of their broader range uh, to start the year. So it just shows that the, that demand for travel remains very robust, very robust. Now, consumer confidence, it remains kind of mixed. Consumers are optimistic about COVID, about labor market, but obviously the big boogeyman is inflation. Now, inflation and shortages have already pushed consumers to switch from more expensive brands. That's what I talked about earlier. Uh, there's new data showing about 70% of U.S. shoppers said they had purchased a new or different brand than they had pre-pandemic because of higher prices. So that's where you see the shift to those cheaper uh, brands and thus hurting companies like Kimberly Clark. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. And we do track the numbers, and we're over the $40 million, $40, 40 million download mark, thanks to you. And as always, you can get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes. And if you leave your question with your review, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.